joining Real Talk with Lisa Patrick. What makes you the expert and uh, as to why you can solve the problem of what business are you really in? Well, all right, let me break that into a few pieces. First of all, I think problem solving is the ultimate skill thing to have in yeah. anything that you do. Being able to be unflappable and look at something and break it down into pieces. And because it's generally not a problem, it's just a series of things to do. It's a theories. Uh, and I think I learned that particular skill from being a magician as a kid, because when you do magic tricks, you don't think anything's impossible. Yes. You, you just ask what method am I going to use? Uh, so, you, you know, you tell a normal person to float somebody or saw somebody in half and they go, that can't be done. But, <laughs> but the magic thinking is, oh, what do I want to do? Do I want helium underwear? Do I want wires? Do I want whatever? You just, you begin to brainstorm all the various ways. What angle would I have to do that for not people not to see how it works? Or what would, would I have to have twins to make that happen? Or would I, you know, whatever. It just yeah. opens yeah. your mind to possibility. So, so I, I think that, you know, even the slightest amount of anybody complimenting a person on being a problem solver is usually a problem, a person that you want in your corner. Because, oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I do want, I do want to tell you though, Pat, I have twins and I've, that's never given me the unique ability to saw somebody in half. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> right. But you could make one disappear and the other one could appear somewhere and nobody would no one was missing. That's, that's my point. <laughs> I love it. I love and, it. And at some point I guarantee they will think of a way to use that to solve a problem for themselves because yeah. not that many people have a, a, you know, a cohort that can do, you know, show up at class when they can't make it or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, they're not identical, but most do say that they look a lot alike. So who knows, right? All right. They wear the right makeup and put on each other's glasses. You never know what happens. Sure. So, so the, the, the second part you asked was yeah. about the problem we, are, we decided to talk about today, which is what, what business are you in? And I yeah. feel like if I do have something, it doesn't make me an expert on it, it's just a perspective that I think I can offer people that they often are not aware of what business they're in. And that sounds yes. really ridiculous, but I can't tell you how many times really. I'm creative consulting. Well, it's, it's sort of like when I ask a screenwriter, what's your story about? <laughs> and then they begin to tell me all these details and it's all crazy and it's all over the place. And it isn't that it needs to be distilled into an elevator pitch. It's that you do have to know what you're doing or what you're selling or what you're trying to provide as a service, you really do have to know. And it's typically not the product. It's not the fact that we're in this to make money. It's not that kind of a thing. And, and, and as an example, I guess I would say that what I do in most people's eyes is I do entertainment and I'm in the theater business that I'm yes. inviting people to come to a show and I hope they leave happy. But that's not the reality of what I do to make money. The fact is, is that I'm in the real estate business. And, mm. and what that means, not that I invest in real estate, it's that the seats in the theater represent something to yeah. rent. And if those seats sit empty, I don't make money and the theater doesn't make money. And yeah. the minute the curtain goes up on the opening of the show, all of the value of the real estate goes away. It's worth zero if there's an empty seat. So I have to look at that strategically and say, oh, okay, 
So how do I fill these seats? It's, it's, it's like the airline business. It's like the hotel yeah. business. So every night that hotel room is empty, it's lost revenue. Yeah, and so that's why you see discounts and walk-ups and triple A's and whatever is it, it, they can't make it up tomorrow. It's you, you know, tomorrow is a new piece of real estate to rent. So, you know, I know that sounds kind of clinical, but the fact is when I became aware of that, I then started to provide the theaters, better marketing materials, a better description of the show, you know, a radio ad that had the info so that they weren't trying to sell the ticket uh, you know, because I knew a little bit more about what it was that I was trying to introduce people to. And if you do leave it to chance, it's usually the lowest common denominator. So the person at the theater is not the person you sold it to. It's not the person who did the marketing. It's the person who answers the phone, who's a volunteer. And so when they person goes, is it is, uh, you know, what's the show about? They go, I don't know. It's supposed to be good. That's, that's all the information, no matter what you have on your website, no matter whatever. So, you know, all of it begins to, to be kind of the smart way to look at it. And, and to be honest, that was a pre pandemic uh, recipe uh, that I was in the real estate business. Once you're um, once everything gets taken away. So the opportunity to. Which has happened to many people. Yeah. But I think so much clarity comes because you go, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I, I see. Like I began to see that doing stand-up comedy, producing theater, directing TV commercials, all of those things that I had in my toolkit were related to one thing, gathering people. Yeah. I, I'm a people gatherer. You're so, people gather. yep. right. so even the directing of commercials, which doesn't sound like a people gathering thing, requires a cast, requires a crew, requires, and we couldn't do that. So all of it gets stripped away. And then you're sort of forced to look in the mirror and say, what do I do? What what is my purpose? What do I want to do? Right? Yeah. And uh, that this podcast that I have that I know you're aware of, um, uh, creativity and captivity, made me realize that oh, I'm really in the creativity business, right? That yeah. all of those things that I do to gather people, storytelling, advertising, branding, marketing, all of those questions, all the reasons I'm brought into to consult on something is because I bring creativity to solve a problem. And ultimately, for for your listener, for you, anyone, it's about finding a perspective that makes you understand the business you're in. Because when I walk into a car dealership and they want me to, you know, create something to help their business, I ask a few questions and I walk around and I say, well, what's going on here? Because in the old days, selling cars made money. Now, you can buy cars cars on the internet with never meeting the salesman, never going to the dealership. They can drop it off at your house. And the margin is so low that they're not making a ton of money on that. So what they make their money on is service. And the service means they have to come to your dealership, but they don't really come to your dealership if they don't buy it from you. And they don't, you know, they just look for the local mechanic and so forth. So walking around this one car dealership, I just said, give me a a tour and tell me what's going on. And what was really interesting is that um, I think I was taking this tour on a Saturday and I asked something about Sunday and they said, oh no, we don't, we don't uh, do service on Sundays. Nobody does service on Sundays. To me, that's the answer to the riddle. Exactly. I just said to them, if nobody does service on Sundays 
Then why are you doing it? You should do service on Sundays. And they go, we can't, they go, we can't work these people seven days a week. I go, don't give them Tuesday off. Everybody else is doing service on Tuesday. You're not going to be competitive, but if you do your services on Sunday and people who come that who can't go during the week or come after church, whatever now make it inviting. So turn this waiting room into an internet cafe, put in Wi-Fi, have some games for the kids, give, put, put, uh, you know, donuts and coffee. Make it an experience, right? Yeah, make it a destination. People buy experiences, right? Yes, they buy products and services, but they truly buy an experience. Right. And I think it's our job, just like you do really well, Pat, is you create an experience for somebody. You transport them in time through your stories. And I think that's really important. Why do you think, um, like, what? I guess more importantly, what would be the steps that somebody was to take if they didn't have your creativity, your mind, and they were looking at their business and they said, okay, this is my problem. I actually don't know what business I'm in. I think I'm in the sign business, right? but I'm actually not in the sign business. But clarity is key, right? And most people can't see the forest through the trees for their own shit. So how do they actually sit down? Like, is there a process that you walk people through? What does that look like, Pat? Well, I I do it a few different ways. But what I would say for anybody is the first thing is start to look at all the various points of view you can have on what you're doing. Um, When I was, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a hospital healthcare business and I asked them what business they're in. And, you know, you think a hospital's about healing. It's about health. It's about making people feel better or whatever it is. But the bottom line is, you know, when you look at the the fact that they're run by an insurance company and everything's administrative, you know, it's really, it really puts you off. And the fact is they're in the humanity business. Because nobody comes to a hospital well, for the most part, they don't, they don't come. Everything's great today. You know, I just stopped by to have lunch in your cafeteria. That's not who they see. They see people in distress, people with something from a small problem to a life-saving problem, whatever. But if you think about yourself in that business, being in the humanity business, then it's about everybody in the hospital getting, oh, the guy at the counter who takes my name should be thinking and caring about me, not go sit down and wait. Like that's how we feel. We feel like it's an inconvenience for us to be there for them. Right. So, well, well, I'm just saying the point is, is that everybody then from your janitor to your, whatever, if you understand and you're able to communicate to your team, what business you're in, you know, that it's not just about revenue or it's not about whatever, you know, then, then you're able, I think, to get a clearer view of how do we behave? What do yeah. we do? And and really, almost all sales is problem solving. So if you're going in to make a sale, you're it's very selfish, right? You go, I'm going to go make money. But if you go to solve a person's problem, they will pay anything for that. Because it's, as, it's- as long as they've identified, here's the thing, here's the caveat with that. As long as they've identified the right problem. Because sometimes right. they they believe they know what the problem is and they're, they are solution focused. But the problem is, is they're actually not being intentional and strategic about what problem they're trying to solve. Right. So the first thing you do is you step in and say, let's look at that and see if it's the right problem. Yeah. Because a lot of times they'll take a catch 
uh, phrase or a trend and they'll say, we need a new website or we need a, um, you know, some TikTok viral video or we need, you know, they, they, they just want to jump on the quick fix. Right. And yeah. you say, well, the problem is, is your business is terrible. Not what you do. It's named badly. It's not memorable. Your tagline doesn't tell us what it is you sell, you know, like, yeah. like, and all of that is a bit about the questions. When you say, what do we ask? It's like, well, what, what kind of a business are you? What kind of personalities are you? What, cause you're going to do business for the kind of people you're going to attract the kind of people for what you put out there. Right. And if you're a hard nosed car salesman or you're a person who, whatever, you know, it's, it's going to be rare that you're going to find a person that wants to come back to you because. Well, it's interesting. You said something there. You said, what kind of personality are you? And I think that we have to think about things slightly slightly in that perspective of what kind of personality is the leadership of the company, of the organization? What kind of personality style are you specifically as a member, a stakeholder of that organization? But again, what is the more important question that we need to ask is, what is the personality style of the organization? And are we behaving to the purpose and the behave and the beliefs of that organization? Right. And so, uh, you know, it kind of falls under the catch of the big catch of brand, brand and brand identity. Yeah. But that word is so used so frequently. Overused. Right. Overused, Pat. Come on, right. let's, let's be fair. It's well, overused. I think the problem is people don't even know what it means. And so they yeah. think of it as Coca-Cola. That's a yeah. brand, right? Yeah, exactly. And, well, and, and then Nanette says, understanding you're in a people-serving business regardless of the product. Exactly. The need, whatever customer or client wants. How often do we buy more than we need if we get more personable attention? Yes. Well, so yeah, I say yes, yes, Nanette. You're right on that. Yes. So, um, because really all of it is about people. All of it is the people business. So, um, you know, building bridges versus walls and doing all of those kinds of things are kind of quick catchphrases. But yeah. ultimately, um, people do want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be cared about. They do want solutions, right? They don't, yeah. um, you know, in the rock t-shirt business, they're not buying another t-shirt. They're, they want a, a piece of the band to take home with them. They want yeah. something close to their body, right? These yeah. brands like Harley Davidson that people feel strongly in loyalty enough that they'll tattoo something on their body with the name of the company is yeah. not because they want another tattoo. They see themselves and they identify with that brand as kind of maybe who they are. And, exactly. and it's the same in terms of the of the buying and selling of the product, right? So yeah. they're not going to attract every grandma to buy a Harley bike right it's not gonna happen well i don't know if that's that's not necessarily their target market <laughs> uh, no i understand but they that what they do is they live true to them to themselves oh, Mr. Joe. Hey, hey, right. party people yes party people hello this is the party of the century right here <laughs> people always flock well, to the cafeteria where the problem solvers are sitting exactly and exactly and joe well he's always got a flock of ducks following him as well so you know well, you know, there's an interesting thing. David Mamet, a great playwright, and I read yeah. a book of his at one point, and he talked about writing story, and he said, you at, in the end, you've got to throw out all the good parts and see if the story still stands, yeah. right? 
So it's not the window dressing. It's not the candy. It's not the jokes. It's is the structure, is the armature of the story going to hold up in its simplest form? And that's the same thing you have to say to yourself is what is, who am I? What's my story? What's my why? Why do I do this? Right? Yes, people do things for money, but in the end, it's not satisfying and it's not rewarding in that ultimately you can do that. And that's typically something that is done, I guess, in a calculated way. But it isn't a, a sustainable thing, right? It's not the same as is knowing exactly the why for yourself and also why should the person come? When I go to sell them a ticket, yes, I want a, 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 them to take that seat up for those two hours. And yes, I want the revenue. But in the end, I want them to, I want them for a longer life customer. So I want them to feel something. I want them to finish watching the play and I want them to go, I owe my brother a call. Right. Or I want to bring my family back to see this show because it made an impact on me. So if you think about what singer songwriters do and all of those kinds of things, it's sometimes that emotional bed of music that makes us want to sing it over and over on our radio. And it's not because uh, I, I want you, the artist with me. It's that I identify so strongly with the words, whether it's a love yeah. song or it's bittersweet or something that I kind of, it becomes part of my DNA. And it, you know, it's easier when you have that kind of a, there's Joe and his ducks. There's Joe and his ducks. His ducks are never in the row. And, and to Joe's point, it's easier when your ducks are in a row. <laughs> right. But the question is what, where, what, what direction do you want that row going? Right? Like yeah. even something like that, you know, I can't remember who I was talking to on the podcast, but we were talking about how, you know, what direction you physically look to get to your destination, because you can go a long way on a long path to get to your destination. But yeah. the clarity of what we talk about here about what business are we in is it begins to solve the problem for you because you go, oh, this is where, where we ultimately need to be. And, and I guess I've had the advantage of going through this with companies, uh, an artificial intelligence company the other day, you know, where, you know, everything about that, which is solutions, problems and whatever, and also going into automation and, and being sure the computer's doing work for you. You know, it gives, it scares people. There's a fear that we're going to be taken over by machines and all that. But the reason they're doing all of it is for improved life for humans, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, but we hope because there's always as much as we can do good with artificial intelligence, there is bad. And I think we have to be accepted and recognize that there's both ends of the teeter-totter yeah. of the pendulum, right? And how do we offset it to the good, not to the bad? Well, but that, I would say you've just identified something that all businesses in every business, there are good lawyers and bad lawyers. There are yeah. good doctors and bad doctors, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there's a percentage that are always going to be uh, greedy and uh, out front and ambulance chasing and all that. They always will be. And there will always be a thing. Uh, and the internet, you know, you'd think we could use it for good, but at the same time, there's a lot of people using it for bad. Journalism, the news, every one of them, is being weaponized in some way. So, of course, we're talking to the people here who do want to do it for good. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's the it's the people. The exploiters are always making often more money than the other people, right? So, yeah. you know, you have to have a satisfaction that you're doing something that 
offers you a living and does that kind of thing, but doesn't compromise your soul, right? Exactly, so exactly. Well, you, and you said something earlier about really truly understanding our why. And I think, you know, for a long time, Pat, full transparency, I thought, you know, why, why does anybody care why I get up in the morning? Truly, like, what do they give a crap? Why I get up in the morning? They don't. As long as they care about the fact that I do get up in the morning. Right. Right. Like they care that I actually get up in the morning. But here's something that I did a lot of soul searching the last six months. And what I recognize is that you're right. They don't care why I get up in the morning. But where they do care is why I'm going to make a difference in their life. And am I aligned with why uh, my why in order to make that experience, create that transformation, do what I do, my unique abilities for them? That's when the why plays a role. It grounds me as a human first and more importantly, as, as somebody who serves others. Right. But so here's what's interesting. You're driving even this conversation with value. Thanks, Sherry. I like what Sherry just said. I know she cares, but it you're driving this with value, right? You're this is not something you're not charging people for this uh conversation. It's nope. something where if they could take something out of it, you know, we all benefit. It's kind of a win-win. Right. Um, in my conversation with Jerry Seinfeld on the podcast, he said most people excellent podcast, by the way. Thank you for the compliment. Um, but he excellent. he said nobody cares if he gets up. Nobody cares if he goes to work. Nobody cares. They really no nobody because when you're your we're talking to entrepreneurs here and self driven people. But you have to learn to be your own boss and your own employee. And the employee does want to lay down and take a nap. Your employee does want to snack all day. You know, so there has to be a part of your brain that says no. This is critical to what what we're doing. And and I think the thing is. Once you get some clarity about the why and the problem and the purpose, it's not, um, this isn't a spiritual um, thing no. for it. It's the idea that you are interested in getting up more often and earlier and staying up later and losing sleep over your idea because seeing things that you're passionate about come to life is is all the reason we're here, right? The journey here is not, can we live till the end of our life and die? It's how can we enjoy each step of it. And I think absolutely it's it's exactly you, uh, why you and I got up this morning, had a cup what? of coffee, and said, This is why we're gonna do the interview because we have great comments like Sherry, who says this is the best interview ever. Well, Sherry, your compliment is appreciated. Things. I will say I'm this this is inside info for Sherry, and the rest of you can listen. But um, if you <laughs> live- we didn't pay her to say that either, did we, Pat? What? We didn't pay her to say that. No, no, no. I don't know her at all, to be honest. But <laughs> but I do like the an attitude that I will share. The perspective is live, live the, each day and each hour in anticipation of something good happening, right? You assume yeah. positive intent, right? So you, if you then keep your eyes open, opportunities present themselves, whether that's mm-hmm. a state of generosity oh, or whether, yes. you know, what? Yes, yes. I'm like, yes. Keep preaching, Pat. Keep preaching. No, I'm not. I'm not preaching. I'm just saying. It's true. It's true. I'm just. You know, I read a lot of different things, and little ideas come from something. And I can't remember the name of the guy in the military. He said, "Get up and make your bed," because then you've done something, right? So then, what I find about making my bed is important, is that I don't want to get back in it. 
but I would love to stay there. And, you know, sometimes I'll get up and I'll just pull the covers up and I'll, I'll write. And I think, okay, well, if I write enough, I can push the computer. I can roll over and go back to sleep for an hour. And then I, it's like a treat, but, but I'm better on my feet. I'm better at my desk. I'm better at whatever. So, but, but they're the smallest, simplest things that can drive you into going, oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'd like to get up and meet that person for coffee, or I'd like to have that phone call, or I'd like to read that book. I think to me, the poison, the toxin uh, of, of um, an Instagram or something, what it isn't that it exists and it isn't that people aren't using it for whatever. It's when I get caught in the trap of going, oh shit, 40 minutes just got stolen for me because I'm scrolling through people dancing, right? Like, I, you know, I go, wait a minute, what just happened? I got robbed. I just got robbed. And I'm the head of the bandits, right? I let it happen. I'm the one that's sticking the gun up to me and going, this is more valuable than, you know, going and doing the exercise or whatever. Well, and you said something. So in our book, I wrote a book with uh, the legend uh, Jim Cathcart and we uh, called Intelligent Curiosity. And in that book, we talk about looking beyond the obvious, right? Looking not what's in front of you, because most people see things through most, not all, but most, but very few actually see through things. And that's exactly what you're talking about, Pat. It's your unique ability, the practice of intentionally looking beyond the obvious. That's where opportunity that's where possibility that's where greatness can happen yeah i think it you know there's so many places where if you open up your perspective now again i'll i'll just quote uh, jerry because i think it applies here but in our conversation he talked about when he writes comedy material the approach he takes is as if he's looking at it with a drone that the drone oh, can wow. move on this side or look from above or go below or move around. And so therefore he's not just writing what he sees in front of him. He's then personifying, you know, the coffee mug is thinking, why am I sitting here holding this guy's coffee? Right? Like he just takes a new <laughs> viewpoint. Right. And yeah. I think that that applies to, if you're buying a piece of property, you know, people go, I don't know if I'm going to make money or not. People who are savvy at real estate will look at something and go, Oh, this property can be, split in two. Oh, I can put a duplex here. I can, they see possibility beyond what's in front of them. They look at the trees and they go, Oh, this, these have value as lumber. This, you know, like there's so much that's there for you if you're paying attention, but Absolutely. we're meant, I think, to, to be distracted and not pay attention to things, you know, especially in buying and selling people want to get to the sale really quickly. Well, this is, well, and depending on, on the intentionality behind the conversation, right? Whether they're transactional or the relationship driven. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, artists are really good at this. Anyone with the creative mindset are so much better at looking at a picture. And rather than just looking at the picture, they actually notice the frames of the picture and they look, they look at the entire picture and what's beyond the picture when somebody else is looking at that picture, what is their reaction to that picture? And I, I think that's really important that we're, we're really, when we're trying to figure out what business we're in, that we're not just looking at the business, we're looking beyond the business. Yeah. I also think it's important for yourself. You know, some people say, well, don't, 
don't talk negatively about yourself and all that. And I absolutely agree with it. But more importantly, define something about your service, your product, or who you are that you can say with pride, with what you can actually, you don't have to be a director to want to be a director. And so instead of saying, I haven't done anything yet, or I'm not, whatever, you can have a story in development, right? You can have language that projects a the positive nature of your intent. And so, you know, if people say, well, what have, what have you directed that I can see? Uh, nothing at the moment, but I have two projects in development. I'm talking to a writer who's, who's working on a script. We're going to shoot in the spring, right? You can talk about the experience. And also, I just think that's a matter of declaration because when you declare things to other people, to yourself, but also to other people, you begin to turn the conversation to people go, how's that thing going that you're directing on, right? They don't come up and go, what are you doing now? Like, what crazy idiotic thing are you up to, right? They don't They don't start in that place. Well, it's not so, a figment of their imagination anymore. By saying it, declaring it, writing it, it's why right. so many people do vision boards. It actually makes it real. Yeah, and I think that that... I break it down into what I call three D's, which is when, you know, you have to have a, a certain amount of dedication, but then you have a declaration and then you have a deadline. Like a, mm-hmm. a goal is a dream with a deadline. Deadlines are good. Deadlines are good to have. They're, they're, they're critical because, and we behave simply because there's a deadline. Our taxes are due April 15th. The people do them on the 14th, right? They don't do it. Yeah before, but then when it's going to be a penalty, when that's, you know, but every time somebody gets married, they put out a hold the date and that's the deadline. Now they're essentially putting out a Broadway show because they have to have costumes for themselves. (laughs) There has to be. I love that. I love, never thought of it that way, but when my daughters get married, I'm going to think of it that way. Okay. You have to, because you are producing that. (laughs) <laughs> a big one night only event you're producing and you have to have catering and you have to have this thing and you have to whatever. And it literally is about logistics, right? Yeah. And, and everything you do between the time you tell people to hold the date and you do it becomes about, Oh, we need this. We need music. We need to whatever. Now, most people aren't used to doing that, but they're volunteering. As we said, they're saying they're making a declaration. I'm going to put on a big ass production and I want you all to be at it. Right. <laughs> Tickets are free. Just be at this time. And I promise I'll feed you afterwards or whatever. And now you got to figure it out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, So, but, but nobody goes into it saying we, one day we're going to marry, meet us there. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe some do, but I don't think the majority of people, even if you get married in Vegas (laughs) and a 24 hour chapel by Elvis, you, you pick a moment, you go, yeah. let's go do this right now. Right. There's, there, there's a, the now is the deadline at that point. Right. Yeah. And, and I, most I think, don't think that they're going to do it three or four times either. Yeah. Lots do. No, I thought, <laughs> believe me, I'm divorced, but I thought I was a catch, but it turns out I'm a catch and release. So <laughs> I don't, uh, I just waiting for another hook. to. Well, maybe, maybe you're one of the better fish in the sea now, Pat. Yeah. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> Well, listen, we got only a few minutes left. Oh, I'm so, sorry. No, this is this has been amazing. I don't want to uh, take up more than your time than you've been so generously uh, gifting us. So that problem, 
How, what business are you in? We've solved that problem. Is there one final piece of advice, Pat, that you'd like to give uh, our viewers now and the, those folks that are going to be replaying this? I guess I would just restate that the now is the time to make the commitment, right? So yeah. directionally, you can walk left, you can walk back, you can whatever. So what is it that you want to do? And I'm just, this is like pandemic advice. I give it to everybody, which is. <laughs> I love it. Well, you don't, there was a time one day I'm gonna, I think that's the worst thing. Today's the day you're gonna, right? Yeah. Not the one day you're gonna. Not tomorrow, so, not yesterday, right. not next week. And it's, you can take a small step. You don't have to know, you don't have to see Cincinnati from your house to get to Cincinnati, right? You have to True. drive a mile at a time. And uh, I, I can't remember who said this. I want to say E.B. White, but but the idea that you can make that destination as long as you could see as far as your headlights, right? You can yeah. do it in the dark. You just, you get to as far, far as you can see. And I find that by doing that and declaring that and letting people know what you're up to, there you'd be surprised how much easier it gets when other people are helping. Like, oh, you need this? Oh, I know a friend who does that. Oh, you know, and then they'll, they'll perpetuate it. There's a lot of, um, this I'm finding this again with the podcast. The thing I enjoyed most was having creative conversations with my friends that worked in a variety of different industries and we weren't working together during that time. And I thought, Oh, why shouldn't we still be having this conversation? We don't have venues, but we do have a voice. Yeah. And then instead of us privately having that conversation, what if we share that conversation with other people to sit at the table? You know, what if we invited Sherry to be here with us having coffee and then she, it benefits her in some way, right? Absolutely. So every one of these episodes and surprisingly many of these people I'm meeting for the first time on the podcast, but I get really excited about that seat of curiosity and it's not exclusive to me. So, it, yep. you know, my closing challenge to people is what is it you're interested in? Who can you learn from and how do you pursue that dialogue in some way? And, wow. and it's just, a, it's unbelievable. It's as easy an invitation, right? You don't have to get on a plane now. Everybody's, yeah. nobody's intimidated by zoom. You can, you know, politely ask for 15 or 20 minutes of a person's time. But, you know, I, I think don't ask them to give you a check for a million dollars, right? <laughs> that, you know, like don't, don't squander the opportunity yeah. By being greedy, right? So exactly, exactly. Um, and don't be transactional in nature. Be relationship driven, right? I, I I have found some of the best help by not asking, meaning that just by giving and having a giving mindset and trying to solve problems, trying to clarify what is the problem and then solving it for people has given me more in return than ever having to do the ask. So I yeah. think that's important too. You have to remember that when you're transactional nature, what you give is what you get. Yeah. I mean, I discovered in my own writing, I, I'm a, I'm a comedy writer. Yep. And my, uh, my company, which is Sweetwood Creative, our tagline is your humor resources department, right? So yep. we're saying to people, if you want a funny message, if you want to make your advertising have some impact with humor or whatever, we're we're just reminding them that we're not going to write Schindler's List or 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 you know get a Pulitzer <laughs> Prize. Like that's not our area. So we're just sort of yep. telling people that, right? Exactly. But in the exactly. end, I also realized that in humor, 
there are a few other elements. And it was during the pandemic and it was in Facebook posts that I realized people responded to heart and they responded to humanity, right? So humor, heart, and humanity now is a bit more of a balance so that so that I realized this isn't just oh, a yeah. random joke about croutons, right? It's yeah. it's it's hopefully it's something that that people can um I guess see themselves in a little bit. I love I'm just writing that down. Humor, heart, and humanity. I love yeah. that. I don't love find that. any other reason to to be involved in something. And also we we had always looked at making a deal. If we made a deal with a theater or with a company, we always asked ourselves just because we're in the humor business, is it funny? Is it fun? And is it favorable, right? For us, if it's not favorable, if that means that we can't come to agreements on the terms or they're or they're abusing us in the what they're asking for, we just say, no, thank you. And it's so much easier than, than every day going, oh, we need the money. Let's do it for the money. It's like, no, because it's not favorable. And it's also not fun to do. I find that the people who work with me and the people I work with we have a good time even in the toughest part of it when we're rehearsing or when we're building a set or when we're transporting something or when we have a problem with customs, we can laugh about it because it's, it's fun to be with each other and do it. Right. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. so horrible when you're in a job you hate and you say, Oh, if I just oh, do 10 more I years, can't imagine. I cannot oh. imagine getting up every single day to the grind, looking at the clock, waiting for the time to tick by, how awful of a life that would be. Yeah. So I want to end, I've started something new, Pat, yeah. with that problem solved because this is a bit of a hot seat. So I found some hot seat cards. Okay. I don't know this oh, game. It looks like a game. Yeah. You're, you're in the hot seat now and I'm going to pick three questions that okay. you're going to ask and they're random. I have no idea what, what they are. So here okay. we go. First one, what's in my freezer that I don't want anyone to know about. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking my freezer is first of all, horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't mind if is people. Is that not that. organized, Pat? It's not organized, but also in the back, I, I'm sure there are things not just out of date, but that you know the Smithsonian would take, right? Like <laughs> bags of vegetables <laughs> and stuff. No, I don't. I don't you know why. Archived. Yeah, what I'm just saying, I, I would say that's probably the most horrifying thing because I have a very organized. 21 year old. And when he comes home from school, he goes through and, and I, I guess here's what I would say. My shame is, is Tucker not, or Keaton. It's Tucker, but it, my shame is not in my freezer. It's in my refrigerator. And that is, <laughs> no, I'm addicted to condiments. I, any, my dr door of my, it's filled with every version of a relish or something. And when we grocery shop, they make me skip the condiment aisle because, and I don't know if I'm just overdressing terrible food or what but but you know i was gonna ask you who does cooking i i do the cooking but i also do the disguising of by putting mayonnaise lots of mustard. condiments very yeah. good and we All will right. try we'll try anything they have a thing called mayo chup which is a mix between mayo and ketchup like we just we just go oh this is new fangle let's try that so yeah i, I <laughs> that's I'm, a problem that you can solve you know i don't think just so say no i <laughs> I would need an intervention. I need a condiment. You need an intervention? I do. 
I have a very bad <laughs> oh, kind of... I'll have to tell uh, Tucker and Keaton that their dad needs an intervention on his. Tucker knows it, right? All right. Question number two, hot seat. What is something you hate to pay for? Oh, okay. Um, huh. uh, <laughs> well, I hate paying for parking. I find that to be, and I also have trouble paying for water <laughs> because it's a resource that's, you know, like. Especially at five or 10 bucks a bottle. Yes, but I will give you a little hot seat tip. Okay. Especially if you're at hotels and they have a little mini bar and they charge you, you know, four or $5 for a bottle of water. You take the water out of that. You drink it, enjoy it. You go down to the pool and you refill it. Oh. And then you put it back in. <laughs> And that works for all the premium clear vodka. I am going to remember that next time I'm in the U.S. and I'm at a hotel, I, the first thing I'm going to ask is, was Pat Hazel staying here? Right. <laughs> when did he stay here last? When did he stay here last? No, I don't. I guess I, I just feel like, you know, sometimes they just take open space. That's what parking yeah. is, whatever. And I don't care that a person has a parking lot downtown, but I hate when you've got to like, you know, pay $40 for your car to stay at the hotel and then you were staying in the hotel. It's like, why don't we just get another room for the car? Exactly. You it's know? like going to Vegas and, and then you're eloquated to death on absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. I'm, and I'm surprised they actually don't have a, well, here we'd call them a loony machine, but there you don't have loonies, but a loony machine right. to go to the bathroom, like to use the toilet in your oh. hotel. Like that'll be the next thing. Anyways, final question. I have a, what? can I tell you a loony story first? You can tell me whatever you like. No, but but for those Americans listening that don't know, you do not have a $1 bill. Nope. Right? At first, it's a $2 bill. You don't have bill. a $2 bill either. Oh, okay. Well, I used to tell a story, which was perfectly popular here in the U.S., about, about this big scam at the bookstores where they sell bookmarks for $1.25. Because if you use a dollar for a bookmark, you save a quarter right there, right? Yep. So it's a, you're not going to smile because you're Canadian, but <laughs> no, but $1 bills are very common and are essentially a bookmark. But when you buy a bookmark, they give you a receipt, which is basically a free bookmark right after, you know what I mean? So I was in Vancouver doing a show and did that joke to crickets, to silence. And somebody <laughs> afterwards said to me, we, we don't have a $1 bill. Like, it's not funny because culturally we don't, that would be a coin and it doesn't really make sense and you know, whatever. So I, you get an education when you travel the world. So <laughs> perfectly yeah. good American comedy that didn't translate. And nobody laughed at that. I'd have been how I probably would have peed my oh. pants. That would have been. No, hilarious. it was. And it was a, it was a joke I had done on the tonight show. And I was like, this is a sure shot laugh. And it was just, you know, but there's so much else I appreciate about Canadians, which is I was up there during the Olympics and Canadians are so supportive and cheering on their people and they'll come in 13th and they'll go, yeah, we did it. Right. And America is a winner. Everybody's a winner. I know it's awesome. But in America, you don't win gold. You're a loser, right? Like yeah. silver. Oh, we don't care about that. You know? <laughs> okay. Final question, Pat. Right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. What keeps you up at night? Hmm. 
Let's now see. you're laughing, so this has got to be good. No, I mean, lots of things. Uh, it's different now. I will say, I, I did indicate that I was divorced. I, I was completely cured of snoring when I got divorced. <laughs> I Seriously, I've not snored one day, or at least I'm not aware of it, because nobody's waking me up. Of... Nobody's yeah. waking me up to tell me, you know, you're snoring, right? So yeah. I, sleep, I sleep better <laughs> by not being reminded that I was a person who snored. Um, so is that what I got to do to cure my husband is divorce him so he doesn't well, care anymore? Well, put him in the other room and then they'll both be fine, you know. Uh, I uh, Many things keep me up at night, but I do think that when I'm, when I'm uh, actively on a project where I'm excited about it, when, you know, in anticipation of an opening of a play or that sort of thing, uh, it's kind of like Christmas morning, you know, like tomorrow something exciting is going to happen. And it does get me kind of like, geared up like i start to think about it and get it all that but but for the most part i sleep really well um it's kind of like me this morning i was so excited because pat hazel was coming on that problem solved that i was up at three this morning oh my goodness couldn't sleep yeah no i i i do get up in the morning pretty i get pretty excited because there's always something and when i started uh being able I call this podcast playdates with grownups, right? Because yeah. I get to pick who I want to talk to. And and sometimes it's a filmmaker and sometimes it's a aerial choreographer or something, all these interesting people. And so while there was nothing going on for 18 months, instead of languishing, instead of sitting there dormant and not doing anything, I would set something ahead of me. So this is a little trick for everybody it's my goal. Oh, on Friday, I'm going to talk to this Jason Alexander. Oh, so maybe what I'll do is on Wednesday, I'll watch a documentary about a Broadway show he was in. Maybe I'll read a little bit of a book. Maybe I'll find out. So suddenly my week is, is full Bill. in preparation for this kind of fun thing I'm get to do. Right. Yeah. And it's all there because I was proactive about finding something intentional that I wanted to do and, it's, I think that's kind of what people do when they make a meal. They go, hey, I'm going to do this. And then the making of it is fun. The shopping for it is fun. You know, all of those. Everything parts. but the cleanup, Pat. Yeah, the but I didn't. It's never fun. If you cook, you don't have to clean in our house. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> the people who eat. I'm in their house then. Yeah. I'm in the wrong house. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the way it works. The, the, the chefs don't have to clean up. Well, you know what? It has been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the on the show, Pat. You're welcome back anytime. I appreciate uh, that. And I thank you to your, to, you call them viewers, I guess, on this one. Uh, I guess, yeah. For their compliments. Um, it would have been nice to get some of their questions and, you know, be more direct about finding out what business they're in. But I do think that at least the notion of looking at your business and also saying to yourself, What's really happening here, right? What is it we're doing? What is the experience? What what am I getting out of it? What do I want more of? And and that sort of thing. And it really it's shouldn't be financial. It should be the why and the purpose and the center and also just breaking it down. Don't be afraid to look at other businesses as the kind of business you might be, because maybe you're renting something or maybe you're doing something that you don't realize. You know, I think speakers. Biggest mistake is they think they're in the talking business. I know. Thank and you. Thank they're you. Not. They're not. They're, they're in the, the listening business. business. Yeah, but they're in the listening business because 
when you get a client, I can tell you that was the best piece of advice a person gave me when I went into to pitch a show to NBC. It was yeah. a sitcom idea. And they, the, there was a former executive and he said, when you go in there, listen to them, which is exactly what you think in a pitch. You think, oh, I'm in there to pitch. I should be talking. I swear. But when you listen, people tell you the problem they need solved. Mm -hmm. They say, we need a show in this demographic. We need a, this kind of thing. We don't want any more shows like Friends. So then rather than wasting my breath pitching the show I thought I had, I structure it around the idea this is the romantic comedy you're looking for. And they go, great, tell us more, right? It's in this demographic. It's for these kind of people. It's a young 20-something, this kind of show that takes place in this kind of a location because they've got all the, you know, urban comedies they want. So, you know what I mean? So it's kind of a thing where oftentimes people will tell you the missing part. And that's, that's the key. Listen to what the problem is. Don't sell yeah. them the stuff you have in your satchel that you want to get rid of. That's a waste, right? Yeah. That's you yeah. trying to unload your leftovers, right? Well, and lots of times too, it can be ego-driven rather than purpose-driven. Right. But listening is like a critical part of speaking, of selling, you know, it's... Yep. It's a yeah. critical part to absolutely everything. It's not just about speaking and selling. It's about being a great parent is, you know, over-communicating your listening skills. It's, it's just about being a great human. When you're a great human and you really stay in the moment with somebody and you tentatively listen to what they what they're telling you, you uncover so much more than if you're just busy flapping your lips. Agreed. And the funny thing is, you know, when I refer to selling, everything to me isn't that I'm not a sales guy, but everything is a sale. Selling. Yeah. Because if you're gonna have a date with somebody, you're selling yourself or you're you know what I mean? Like you're still a part of it. You can't be afraid. To, but but I just think don't sell anything you're not proud of, even exactly. as a parent to a to a kid. If you say you have to finish school, you know why? What, what if I could do this? Maybe if I could be a you know an entrepreneur and I do that kind of thing. If you can't see that perspective as a parent, it doesn't mean that they're wrong, right? Yeah. Just being the parent doesn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, it only gives you the trump card of you have a roof over your head and you get some meals and exactly. a little in the car, but it doesn't give you much else. Well, and the other thing too, I think uh, for one final point is that when you are selling something, for God's sakes, don't sell something to somebody when you know they can't afford it, mm. right? Like don't sell it, just period, don't sell it just because you need to make a sale. And, and to me, that is the worst thing anybody can do. And it dilutes the credibility of who you are essentially at the core, but more importantly, it dilutes the credibility of the, of the relationship. Yeah. Well, relationship is everything people want to buy from their yeah. friends. They want to buy from people they like, they want to invest in those sorts of things. And really in the long run, it's, it's the things that will be there on your deathbed are going to be the relationships and the people. They're not going to be a pile of money or, you know, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. All right, Mr. Pe Hazel, thank you very much. Uh, hey, wanted to say good luck. And uh, you're welcome back on the show at any time. Okay. And everybody, the, the our podcast is free. That's the title of it. It's yeah, on all free. the platforms. So there's cool people that you will you will enjoy learning from. They all bring something to the party. And I'm I'm grateful that they're so generous with what what experiences they've had. So fantastic. Thank all you right, very sorry much. to go Thanks run on there. I didn't mean to. Oh, you never ran on. Not at all. It's all. It's fantastic. Awesome. All right.
Thank you so much, my friend. All right. Good luck. Oh, by the way, you have to tell me where to send your cup. Yeah, I need to get your address too because I got a little something for you too. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care, Pat. Bye.